I never grew up with educators that look like myself. So I feel like, honestly, like we are that new wave that make being wise, being smart, being educated cool, right? Wisdom is is a powerful tool, but oftentimes we might neglect it because of who it's coming from, you feel me? But if we can top it up with a young buck and really implant a seed, man, like that's... It's more than just education at that point, you know what I'm saying? What's going on, beautiful people? This is the Let's Grow Together podcast, where diverse individuals and communities come to serve, connect, and grow in areas that they're most passionate about. Brother Marcus, how you doing today, fella? What's going on, family? Good as always to be here and uh, engage within this space, man, all as well. Uh, having a phenomenal day, man. Back-to-back meetings. And believe it or not, it charged me up. i'm telling you man so uh been a very very productive day very uh progressive and my thought for this week has been how can your job develop you opposed to us looking at it as the different nuances and and the headaches that come with it so how how is your job enhancing you and getting you better i've been challenging myself to look at that when it comes to engagement when it comes to presentation when it comes to all the above i'm looking at how i'm continuing to level up and how i'm growing in each and every way so yeah Good energy this way. How about you, good brother? Man, I'm blessed. Uh, I got to ask, man, how was um the real talk session with Roots this past weekend? Man, it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. We had a conversation in regard to understanding your why, right? So we were able to do personality tests, allow them to really analyze themselves a whole lot more. A lot of clarity came from it. Um, and we were able to put a, a lot of different generations at a table together and have a conversation and hear everybody's story and everybody's why and it was crazy because there was a, a common ground within everybody's story but uh yeah so it was pretty dope man it was always good creating those environments and those incubators for development and growth and uncomfortable conversations so yeah super dope man i appreciate you asking facts uh so did y'all do like the myers-briggs personality test or what what personality test did y'all use no, so we actually use the website, man. It's actually called noonelove.com. And you can go in and it's like very just uh for those who haven't taken like a thorough, you know, uh, you know, a self uh, analysis or a self-test, it's it's very good, just very elementary in, in that regard. But it actually gives a very fine-tuned definition to break down once you complete the test. And again, a lot of our students haven't done anything like it. So it was really kind of an eye-opener. But Myers Briggs is definitely coming next, but we want to introduce them to some kind of simple to, to break the ice. Oh, that's love. That's love, man. We definitely gonna have to share that in the the show notes, just so like people could tap in. Cause I haven't heard of that one. Um, I'm just more familiar with the Myers Briggs ones, uh, Myers Briggs. But um, it's interesting that you said like in your group you talked about your why. So today, man, I had three different programs today. So, uh, met with the guys from eight to ten this morning. Then we had our first session with the remote school, and we talked about the why. So first, we started out asking um the students like, did they have any new year's resolutions or any goals that they wanted to accomplish this year and uh uh, man a wide range of goals from losing weight to building self-confidence to handling mental health uh or channeling anger um it was just a million different things that they were saying but uh we then pivoted from the goal itself into why it was that they wanted to focus on that thing um and then we introduced them to like the nine basic motives and you know they went into that but then when i left there had another uh session with the students at South Suburban College um, had a dope conversation with them. We talked about some Airbnb stuff, some real estate stuff, the rental cars. Um, and then I just actually got back home because uh, we had another session with uh, some students at Oak Park Library. And uh, this one was like a more intimate circle kind of restorative justice um, setting. And um, man, kids were dope. Uh, and it's always interesting to hear from like 
the administrators and they're like, man, you got that kid to, to really share some stuff about himself. Like he, he really doesn't talk like that. And, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but I just think that the energy that we, we provide as being young black men in this space, like they can really relate to that and they gravitate towards that. So man, similar to you, man, had a lot of stuff going on today. Then we got the podcast, but I'm blessed. I'm highly favored and everything that I'm doing, I'm it's, it's in alignment to what I like to do. So not complaining at all, but today, man, we have a phenomenal guest, somebody that I am extremely close with, um, actually one of my personal mentors. But without further ado, we want to bring him into the space. Mr. Wynn Walker, go ahead and uh, let the people know a little bit about yourself. Evening, gentlemen. How you all doing today? Doing well, doing well. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Tell us about yourself, boss. Fantastic. All right. So my name is Wynn Walker, and I grew up in Chicago on the south side. Um really close to my alma mater, Finger High School, and I'm the youngest of four. Uh, graduated from Finger many, many years ago. As a matter of fact, this year will be my 40th high school reunion. Oh my God. I don't know how that happened. I went to sleep, I woke up, and then all of a sudden they tell me I'm old. But uh, went to UIC, graduated from UIC in 1987. Um, with a degree in communication. And then I started working for State Farm and been with State Farm 35 years in March and uh, started my own State Farm insurance agency in 2000. So this June will be 23 years as a State Farm insurance agent on the South Side. So uh, that's a little bit about me. Oh, I have a, a wife and I have three natural children my oldest son donovan who is living in texas and graduated from st john's university in new york i have a daughter skyler who is a junior in college in decatur georgia and my youngest is a freshman at illinois state so those are my natural children but then i have some surrogate children and so um you got one of them hosting with you james and uh eric as a matter of fact eric told me to tell you what's up james I just spoke to him earlier today, um, but I got a number of those. And so my life is blessed. Uh, my parents are still alive. My parents have been married for 66 years. Um, and so I'm extremely blessed. Man, that's that's dope, man. And uh, well, tell Eric when you get an opportunity, I said, what's up? But uh, man, I know a little bit about, about your story. So I'm interested in knowing like, what was it? like leaving your hometown to kind of pursue um your career when you moved to Michigan like what was that like well like what type of fear did that entail okay so uh you know after college and I started with State Farm and I was kind of working in claims and I always had this ambition that I want to do well and get ahead and my mentality was um and, and what I was kind of like raised to do is if you always do good work, if you always put your best foot forward, then that work will open doors for you. And so that's kind of what my parents taught me. And so I started with State Farm and I was always kind of putting my best foot forward, trying to do good work. And all of a sudden promotional opportunities started coming my way. And uh, I moved from my hometown, the only place I knew, Chicago, Southside, and I moved to Michigan. And I moved to a little small town in Michigan initially, um, uh, Waterford, Michigan. And so 
here, this all white town, and I'm an urban kid that went to Finger High School on the South Side. I'm in this all white town, but I went for the opportunity because my mindset was, I want to eventually be like upper management. I want to run things because I really thought that that was going to be the sweet spot, you know, uh, for my life. And I thought when I can be in control, you know, and ultimately that's control because I'm a high level manager. So I go to this area in Waterford, Michigan, and, you know, had to get used to new customs, new ways, new people interacting with different people that I'd never interacted with before. And all of that was fine. It was a little bit nerve wracking because it was uh, taking me out of my comfort zone. Uh, I had a great relationship with a young lady here at the time. And I thought, okay, well, that'll survive the long distance thing. And it didn't. Um, and then I was leaving all my friends and my family, but I created new friends, um, got to know some family that I didn't know I had there, uh, eventually met my wife, you know, there. And so it worked out great. And, and that's a lesson. Sometimes you have to just kind of shake your fear and get out your comfort zone and just step out on faith and have confidence in your ability. Um, and then know that whatever you do, you know, if you approach it with the right attitude and if you approach it with the attitude that I'm going to do it well and I'm going to be successful, it'll all work out in your favor. Yeah, I love to hear that. I can definitely relate to your story, man. Honestly, just talking with James, I heard the work ethic. And again, you you acquiring having your own state farm. Kudos to you. Definitely want to give your flowers to start off. Um, but you mentioned one thing, do well and get ahead. You said your parents really taught you that growing up. That was one thing you really embraced. Um, now, I, I would ask you, is that what encouraged you to continue to get comfortable being uncomfortable as far as being open to making the move and uh, execute? All right. Yeah. So um, just, just a little bit of history. And I'm, I'm proud to say this because when I was younger, sometimes I used to get embarrassed about, you know, my background uh, because my father, uh, he he's about to be 88 years old, um, February 4th. And he grew up in the South. He grew up in Alabama. And he worked in the fields. You know, he picked cotton. And he tells stories because he's very proud to say how much cotton he could pick. He could pick more cotton than other people. And when he tells me those stories, it sounds like, and I say to him, Man, it sounded like you straight back in slavery days, you know. But he had this incredible work ethic, and he never finished high school because his father was killed when he was young. And so he had to work to support his mother and his sisters. And so he brought a strong work ethic. He married my mom, moved to Chicago, and um, he kind of instilled that work ethic into us. And so he taught us not to be fearful, you know, of new things because he always had to kind of deal with that stuff. He left home to go and work and make money so he could send money home. So growing up and hearing those stories and him kind of encouraging us in that way, it made me know that I had to pursue my dream and I couldn't let, you know, go into a strange town, a strange state or strange city, you know, defer my dream. Hey, kudos to Pops, man. He he gave you the template. And again, seeing him be comfortable being uncomfortable was, uh, again, uh, a setup for you later on, not even realizing it. But making a transition from Chicago to Michigan, 
I can just imagine. <laughs> I know that's a drastic difference. But again, you end up meeting your wife, right? Uh, just a prime example of if you wouldn't have been comfortable being uncomfortable, you wouldn't even be in a position in which you are. And again, y'all have some tenure, right? I, I know I heard those years on there. So I want to just ask, how how has she just continued to support you throughout your journey as well? I mean, again, even becoming your, your own businessman, I know that was uncomfortable and there's been a lot of different phases with that. So to those viewers who, who are in a relationship, right? I want to know how, how has your counterpart really supported you throughout the journey? And so that's that's a great question because you need support from your inner circle. Um, and sometimes out of fear, you know, they don't initially give you that support. So my story was this. Um, I was a manager and I was a superintendent with State Farm when I moved to Michigan. I took a superintendent's position. And then as I was there, um, I got elevated again to quality control superintendent for the entire state. So first I was, I just had an office and I was managing, and then I got to be quality control superintendent for the entire state of Michigan um, for their auto claims division. Well, met my wife, we started you know, dating and we eventually got married and here's our first child. And I'm making really, really nice money. And you know, life is just kind of flowing along really well, Marcus. And I got bored. I got extremely bored because being the quality control superintendent for the state and, you know, Michigan, you know, it has that upper peninsula, you know, so, and, and everybody in Michigan always does the hand to show you where in Michigan, you know, you got to do the hand thing. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that's a Michigan deal. Okay. So, um, you know, I'm all over the state of Michigan, even the upper peninsula and when I wasn't doing a quality control audit, I would sit in my office and the time would drag. I mean, if I started work at nine o'clock, I felt like I had been there for 27 hours and I would look at the clock and it was only 9.22. And so I was extremely bored because I wasn't being challenged. And so I felt like I can't keep doing this because even though the money's coming in and I'm making a lot of money, but I'm not being fulfilled. So I started thinking, what, what else can I do? And so I actually contemplated leaving State Farm and then just doing something totally different. And I was, I decided I was going to go into sales and I was going to go into pharmaceutical sales because I had a former friend who was doing pharmaceutical sales and making a lot of money and seemed happy. So, oh, and I'd be the legitimate pharmaceutical sales. <laughs> I don't mean the street corner pharmaceutical sales. Okay. Just I just want to make sure I made that point. Okay. So um, but then I talked to a good friend of mine, uh, and he said, Hey, when you know, you've been doing this insurance thing for quite some time and you've been doing it at a high level. So why are you gonna just switch, you know, your entire industry? You know, why don't you look into sales with the company you're already with? And I said, I'm tired of insurance. I'm tired of insurance. Um, I want to just do something totally different. And he said, but sales is sales. It doesn't matter where you do it. And sales is different from the other stuff that you're doing. And so I decided to pursue it. So when I decided to pursue it, because your question, now I'm getting to your question. I thought about it and I came up with every obstacle and every reason why I shouldn't do it. 
And I overcame all of those barriers and all of those fears before I voiced it to anyone. So then I told my wife, I said, you know what? I'm going to start an agency and I want to go back to Chicago since that's home. And I want to do my agency in Chicago. And so first time she heard it, we had a small baby um, and she was fearful. So of course she was like, why? You know, we're doing really well. You make a lot of money. You know, why are you going to do that? You know, that might not work out. Suppose you don't sell. Suppose you don't, you know, and me and, you know, that market might be really different. You have, you've been here in Michigan now for five or six years. And, you know, she had every kind of question and every excuse, but every issue that she raised, I had already come across that issue and I had already kind of overcame that fear. And so I told her, it's going to be all right, but that's what we're doing. And then I called my parents and I voiced it to my parents. And then they started speaking out of fear. And they started saying, yeah, you know, sales, you know, that's not a, that's not a steady paycheck. And, you know, at least now, you know, you're doing really good. And remember, I told you I came from parents, they come from the fields in Alabama, you know. And so here I was, I'm the youngest, um, I'm the youngest child in my family, but I was the first one that graduated from college. And so you know, here I was, you know, their pride and joy. And now I'm, I'm making, you know, nice money, have my own house, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they were like, so why are you going to do that? You know, you might not, sometimes people don't want to buy. So what are you going to do? And I said, you know what, mom and dad, I appreciate you guys, you know, saying that stuff to me because I know you're trying to look out for me, but it's not like I'm selling encyclopedias door to door or vacuum cleaners. I'm, I'm selling insurance, you know, people got to have it. You know, you, you buy a house, you know, if you got a mortgage on it, you got to have it. You know, most states, you know, you got to have car insurance. It's against the law not to have it. So um, I said, hey, you know, with the brand I'm with, I'm pretty sure I can, I can do this. So I'll be okay. And so I had to overcome, you know, not only my fears, but their fears and put them at ease. And once I got into it and my wife saw he's going to do it, she already kind of knew my character that once I kind of give myself to something, I'm going to make it work. And then she kind of got comfortable and got on board. And then that's when the support came. That's when the support came. And then it was like, okay, so how do I need to help you? What do we need to do? You know, blah, 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 blah. And so, but it didn't come initial. So to encourage some other people who might be listening, don't be upset when other people don't initially give you the encouragement that you feel that you need. Because many times you had your own doubts before you voiced it to them. So just like I had to take some time and kind of let those doubts kind of run through my head and then I had to expel those doubts, I had to give her space to do the same thing. And that's, that's, that's dope, Wynn. Appreciate you sharing that. Um, there's this saying that people won't support your movement until it's moving. Um, and sometimes it takes you to overcome those objections that you have internally first in order for you to really make the progress. And and, and we, on this podcast and, and the groups that we, we, we're a part of, we agree that when you're starting something new, it's scary. And people aren't going to support that because it's scary for them. And they may be impacted by that decision. So um, for you to identify that you were bored and not fulfilled, to me, it just seems like you were looking to operate within your purpose, do something better. And I know that I remember you telling me that you're in the service business, the business of serving other people. And I think that was the first time that I had heard it like that, especially from someone that was selling, right? 
Um, and pretty much you just have to sell your parents and your, your wife on this vision that you had. So for, you know, new entrepreneurs or people that are looking to get into entrepreneurship, um, you talked about a certain level of work ethic that you had, that you got from your, your father and your parents in general. But I want you to speak to when you first started that state farm, the level of effort and intensity that you had to put in to get your business off the ground. Because I don't know if people know how State Farm businesses or when you become an agent, how that is. But for those people that are looking to get an entrepreneurship, like what advice would you give them um, when starting something new? Like what advice would you give those people? Okay. So when starting something new, that has to be your center focus. And you have to be laser focused on well, first of all, you need to understand that business. You need to understand that business inside and out. And so you need to take time, quality time, to really study it and map out your plan for success. And then you have to be laser focused on accomplishing your goals. Because most businesses, you know, they tell me fail, you know, and within the first like four or five years, they fail. And now I've been doing this thing for 23 years um, because when I first started, I did my research. I talked to other people who were doing it and doing it at a high level. And I saw kind of what they were doing. And so I knew the commitment that it was going to take. And I was ready to be all in and give it everything I had. So an interesting story about that is I told you uh, my son, who you know, Donovan, he was you know, a little baby at the time when I was starting. And um, we had moved from Michigan and I moved all around the state of Michigan. So I was in Waterford, Michigan. I was in Auburn Hills, Michigan. I was in Madison Heights. I was in Marshall, Michigan. And then I was in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and then came back to Chicago. So we buy a house in the South suburbs and I'm spending all of my days and nights in the office selling because I had a, a year probationary period and I had to hit certain levels of sales in order to maintain my agency. And so I knew I wasn't going to fail. Failing was not an option for me. So I'm on the phones. I'm reaching out to people. I'm passing out my business cards. I'm in Walmart, I'm in Sam's, I'm in every store with my cards. Whenever I talk to people, I mentioned what I did. I mentioned how I could help them out. And social media wasn't, you know, this stuff wasn't happening like 23 years ago. So wasn't doing that, but I was, you know, I was boots on the ground. And so I would get to the office early in the morning and I wouldn't get home until late at night. And one time um, my wife said to me, uh, she was she was upset because here she was kind of caring for this baby, you know, this little toddler kid, and I'm always gone. And so her idea was, hey, this is supposed to be a partnership. You're supposed to be helping me, you know, with this kid, and and you're always gone. And so she called me, and I was at the office. I answered the phone. It was about uh, 9 p.m. because I had an appointment, a sales appointment. You know, some people, they work third shift, they work second shift. And I don't care when you were available, I was going to be available for you because I was trying to make the sales, right? So 
So she calls, I answer the phone, and she's like, how long you gonna be there? It's nine o'clock. I'm like, hey, this guy said he'll be here by a quarter to 10. So, you know, I'm gonna be here. I'm just getting everything ready so I can, you know, make the sale. And so she was like, oh my God, you know, this is ridiculous. I didn't sign up for this. And so she was giving me all that kind of stuff. And I said, hold on one second. I said, hold on, just hold on one second. I said, when you called me, I said, what number did you dial? And she said, what do you mean what number did I dial? I said, what number did you dial to reach me? And she said, I called the office. And I said, and then what did I do? And she, and she said, you picked up. I said, okay, so I'm not at a club. You know, I'm, I'm not at a club. I'm not out hanging with my boys. You don't hear no party music in the back, you know. I mean, this ain't a picnic for me. I'm working because I'm trying to make sure that our family's going to be okay. I'm trying to make sure that this is going to be successful because I'm trying to support everybody. I said, so, you know what? Um, when you see that I'm hanging out with my friends and I'm at the club and I'm at the bar and all that, then get upset about that, but not when I'm trying to do what's going to be best for our family long, long term. And so I think that resonated with her. And so then she kind of like left me alone and gave me the support. And I understood that she had a lot on her plate, you know, as well. But we just had to do what we had to do because I had to get those numbers, had to make it work. Failure wasn't an option. And so you have to go after things with a tenacity that just won't quit. Um, and I think once you understand your business and you kind of follow people who've done it at a high level and they kind of show you the the roadmap, if you will, then you follow that and then you'll succeed. Yeah, that that was so surreal. I could definitely relate, man. Some, some of the things I took away from it, right? Uh, you got to study and map it out. We always say uh, a ship can't set sail to a destination if, if the coordinates aren't locked in, right? You a, lot of, a lot of people run around with their heads chopped off like chickens and aren't being productive by any means. So locking in, man, I love that. You also talked about talking to people who are succeeding. And that is a, such a vital component, being able to talk and see success and actually be able to break down the characteristics, the traits and the work ethic associated with it. So, again, man, I definitely commend you. And then last but not least, man, you had those boots on the ground. You was getting it in. I know you were smiling, kissing babies, shaking hands, doing all that and more, man. But 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 again, that's a testimony. And a lot of people, a lot of people want the gold at the end of the rainbow, but don't want to grind, which is the process which makes up the rainbow. And James, no, nah, I'm. I, I fell in love with the process and, and the thought process around a rainbow because if the rainbow isn't created through the rain, the sunshine, all these other components, the quote unquote gold at the end of it can never manifest, man. So I love that more than you know, but the biggest piece I took out of this, man, was just having that conversation with your partner. That's why I asked earlier, man, James and I always go back and forth, having so much on your plate and making sure it's in alignment with your partner, right? Your partner's a part of your vision. And even though the, the business may be that baby, you got to have that partner support. So even being able to have those hard initial conversations and to your point, you weren't in the club getting in, you was grinding out just like she was grinding out with the baby. But again, being able to effectively communicate that is so vital, man. I I, I love that. And um, I was going to ask you in the beginning, I've heard you say a few times, man, failure isn't an option. That's kind of a pun to your name. I was wondering, is is, is that your real name, brother? Is that a nickname? T tell me the, the, the origin of the name, man. All right. So my name is Winfred which means angel of peace. Uh, but when I was growing up, a lot of people, for some reason, couldn't say Winfred. You know, it was Winifred, it was Winfield, it was, 
And so I think for my friends, it got easier for them to just say win. And so then, they, you know, they call me win and then we just coined win. And I've been win for many, many, many years. So it works. I was about to say, well, failure ain't an option. So that that's the name for you, brother. <laughs> I love that right there. <laughs> that's what's up, Marcus. That's what's up. Nah, that that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, the the other concept I just want to kind of dive more into, man. Again, being locked in for the family, right? I want to talk a little bit more about some of those sacrifices you had to make. We talked about, you know, the long hours. What other components did you find yourself just sacrificing in the midst of really building the brand out? All right. So yeah, it's more than just the long hours. It's the studying so that um, you are a competent professional. Uh, because, you know, face it, I'm not selling a real tangible product. You know, when you come and see me, you don't leave out with a bright, shiny car, you know, where you can kick the tires, you know. So I've kind of sold you a promise. I've sold you, you know, if this happens in your life, then this is kind of what we're going to do. So I needed to make sure that I totally understood all the nuances of those products that I was selling um, and that I knew the features and the benefits so that I could then pre present them to, you know, my target audiences in a way that would make them say, this could benefit my life. This can really benefit my life. And this is something that I really need. So a lot of that time was spent studying, you know, because again, you know, I wasn't a salesperson. I didn't know about all those kind of things before. So I had to study. So I knew what I was talking about. Um, that's one thing. And then in life, Marcus and James, let me tell you something. Monkey wrenches always come. It's always going to be somebody that's introducing some other kind of, you know, mess into the game. So when you think you on smooth sailing, all of a sudden, you know, here comes a roadblock, right? So I was into my first year, my probation year, where, you know, the numbers were clearly set out for what I had to, uh, what I had to um, produce in order to get my contract at the end of that year. And then all of a sudden I get a call. So I get a call three months in and uh, my, my consultant said, hey, I'm sorry to do this to you, Wynn, but State Farm is really getting involved in financial services and we're gonna start selling mutual funds and those kind of things. And so because you're a trainee agent now, you have to get your securities licenses. You have to get your six and 63. And I said, okay, I didn't know what those were, right? Um, I didn't grow up. I told you about my background and my parents being from Alabama. You know, my mother was working at the post office. My father was a mechanic, you know, and um, I didn't grow up understanding about mutual funds or investments and IRAs. And so you got to get your securities license. And I said, oh, okay. So when is that? That's sometime next year. And they said, nope, you got three months. Now I'm in the middle of producing these numbers so I can get my contract. And now I have to study to pass these securities licenses because if I don't do that, I'm out anyway, no matter if I did hit the numbers. And so I thought, oh my God, how am I gonna do this? Because I was spending long days and long nights in the office already, 
already I wasn't my wife's favorite person. And already I was missing out on a lot of the things that my my kid was doing, you know, and I was really wanting to be there, you know, for him as well. But I had to do what I had to do. So I got the study material and then I started learning about securities. I started learning about <laughs> mutual funds. I started learning about bond funds. I started learning about stock. And so, um, you know, I had to do what I had to do. And so I took those, you know, tests. I took the practice tests. And here's another funny story. My wife and I, we laugh about this stuff now, but it was a really grueling time for us because one Saturday I was at home and I'm on my computer and I'm doing these practice exams because I had to take this test and I was going to have to pass this test. And so my wife said, all right, hey, I'm about to go to the mall. Um, so I'm leaving Donovan here with you because um, I'm about to go to the mall. And I said, no, 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 no. Take him with you because I'm studying. <laughs> so take him with you. And so she said, well, I'm with him every day, you know, blah, 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 blah. So you keep him with you. And I said, no, I got to pass this. I said, so just take him with you, you know. And she said, now this is terrible. I can't believe I'm about to share this story on a podcast, but I'm going to share it. So I said, no, I got to pass this test. So I can't watch him. And he was, Donovan at the time might have been like one and a half or something, but he's running around, you know, he's into everything. So he would need my attention and I couldn't give him my attention. And so I told my wife, I said, look, I'm not watching him. So you got to take him with you. I said, because if you leave, I'm leaving. And we both going to be arrested because he's going to be in this house by himself. I said, and, and then when they come and somebody bails us out of jail and our kid is in some kind of foster home or something, when they say, how could y'all do that? How could you leave that kid in the house by himself? Something could have happened. And then I said, I'm going to say, I really didn't want to do it. But I knew that if I lost this job, we were going to be homeless. And so I didn't have a choice because I was trying to pass the test. I said, so what are you going to say? Because I wanted to go to the mall. <laughs> and so I said, come on, you know, come on. I said, but I'm serious. So she got up and I walked outside. I said, so you leave, I'm leaving. You leave, you're not taking it, I'm leaving. I said, he's going to be by himself. And so she got the baby and she left and she went to the mall. And I studied. I knew my wife hated me. I knew she hated me. But I knew that everything we were trying to do for our future was hinging on my success. And I wouldn't let nothing get in the way of that. Not even my wife. And so, and not even my child. And so she took them. She was angry with me for a while. But here's the thing. Rewards start coming you know, rewards start coming. And one thing that I don't know if you know, but in any organization for the sales force, when you meet a certain level of sales, there are typically some perks that come with, you know, those sales. And a good friend of mine, he uh, works for a career. Well, he's not a good friend of mine, but a friend of mine. He works for a career builder. And he just put something on social media because he hit a certain level of sales. And he was like, ah, oh, I'll be in the Cayman Islands or Aruba as a you know trip that they get you know for hitting certain sales levels and same thing happens you know for us here so 
we've been all around the world and stuff like that, you know, because we hit certain levels of sales and then you get the perks that come with it. And when my wife started experiencing these perks and these trips, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then it was like, uh, hey, you on time? You qualifying? You know, you, qualify, you know, if you looked at my social media, James, you know, I was in Ireland last year. Why, why would I ever go to Ireland? I wouldn't choose to go to Ireland on my own, right? But, you know, hit certain sales levels and then next, you know, we're on a trip. And so my wife, she's right there. She's looking to go, you know. Um, for last year, we qualified for this year. So I'll be in Munich, Germany in the summer. But she's looking forward to that. So when the perks started coming, she was like, hey, you need to be at the office. Why are you here? Why, why are you here? You need to be, you need to be there. Cause you know, I want to go there, you know? And, and so once the rewards started coming, then she was like really, really supporting it. But sometimes people struggle with giving the support when they can't really see any gain from all the sacrifice, but you have to kind of have faith that the sacrifice is going to produce some results and going to produce some gain. Oh my God. See, that's, that's actually the first time I heard that story. And when knows we, we talk a lot. Um, he tells the same story over and over. So I'm actually, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually surprised that I hadn't heard that story, but that that's so dope because, um, and people don't, don't, don't misunderstand what he's saying. It's just that you have to be dedicated to your, your thing, your passion, your, your business, your organization. And sometimes it may take sacrifices. Maybe your partner hates you for, you know, a moment. But in the in the long run, it's going to be beneficial um, because those the fruits of your labor will start to come back towards you. Um, oh, so James, James, yeah. let me say this. It was a calculated risk. I knew my wife wasn't going to leave my son. <laughs> yeah. And I knew she knew that I would run off and I knew that she wasn't going to leave him. So yeah. I knew she was going to take him. But I just couldn't afford to take him at that time because I couldn't be distracted. Yeah. So, and you know, your wife, so, so like you said, it was a calculated risk and it worked out for both of you guys. So, and Donovan, I think Donovan is, is benefiting from it as well. But um, you, you talked about in the beginning of your answer that um, you really had to study, like you really had to know the business that you were getting in because you weren't familiar with sales. Um, So something I would like for you to do for our listeners is just talk a little bit about insurance generally um, because there are some misconceptions about insurance. Um, some people think it's a scam. Some people don't really understand what it's for. Some people think, man, like I'm only paying this because I got this car note. But like, give us uh, your your definition of insurance. Okay. So insurance is making sure that if and when something that is very unpleasant happens, then I'm going to have some financial resources to help me deal with it. In a nutshell, that's what insurance is all about. And I said, if and when, because in some area it's going to happen because we have many types of insurances. So you guys have health insurance, there is car insurance, there's renter's insurance, home insurance, there's life insurance. And you know, if not yourself, you know some other people who've had to tap into those insurances. So if you've ever had a car accident, you know, you call it the insurance company. Uh, when somebody died, hopefully there was some life insurance. 
uh, when you were sick and you had to go to the hospital. And when you're sick and you go to the emergency room, and I don't care if your elbow is like dangling off your arm by just a piece of skin, before they take you in there and start working on you, they're going to roll you up to the little desk and ask you a few questions. They're going to say, what happened? And then they're going to say, what kind of insurance do you have? Do you have insurance? Because that medical institution needs to know that they can get paid. So the only time you probably won't get wheeled to that little desk is if you go to Cook County Hospital and they still roll you up to the desk because they want to see if there's any way they can get paid. So, and, and those things are not inexpensive. They're very costly. And so, yeah, people think because I haven't had to use the car insurance for two, three years, yeah, it's a scam, it's a ripoff because I've been paying this you know, premium, you know, but then when the car does get smashed up or you get carjacked, you know, or the car catches fire and all of a sudden the car was worth, you know, 18,000 and they're paying that plus putting you in a loaner car, then that's when they like the insurance company, you know. Um, and fortunately, that doesn't happen to you every day and every year. But when it happens, you are so glad that you have what you need. Yeah, I, I can definitely understand that. And even for my for myself personally, we bought our house. We got homeowners insurance. I'm like, I try to put in a claim. They say we don't do XYZ. I'm like, man, what's the point of this? So I've definitely found myself beyond flustered in a lot of those specific situations. So I can relate. But again, seeing it on the other side, learning more and exploring it, I definitely see it's always good to have that that person who's gonna pick up and be in your back pocket when you need them opposed to not having them so i definitely understand the logic with it now i, I want to just ask uh one specific question prior to prior to exploring a little bit more in the insurance realm and uh we didn't really cover it how are you and james connected i want to learn a little bit about uh, how you all were, were able to find each other <laughs> um so james made a very very wise choice when he chose to go to Fanger high school first of all <laughs> You know, so he's done a whole lot of smart stuff in his life. Um, but while he was at Fanger High School, he participated in this work-study program. And because Fanger's my alma mater, um, I was also participating with the work-study program where I was you know, providing jobs for students at Fanger um, to help them kind of get their feet wet and understand maybe like um, some some, give them some good work ethic and just kind of give them some maybe office skills and some things they could use to maybe start a resume um, and just to kind of mentor them and kind of teach them about life, you know, beyond school. So James was one of those students that came through to my office and he worked in my office when he was in high school at Finger. So, you know, my job was to kind of teach him some things about work and try to instill a good work ethic in him but also kind of just teach them about life um, and kind of what to expect and try to just be a mentor. And that's how I met uh, James. And of course, um, you know, he's got the kind of personality that he has and all of a sudden, you know, he just became to me like one of my, one of my sons. Now that story takes a whole lot of twists and turns. And James, I was just talking about you the other day to someone because uh, Marcus, if you come to my office, I got pictures of James in my office. Like I got pictures of my other kids. Um, and so uh, 
you know that that this story, and I'm I'm not gonna share a whole lot of things about that story because oh, so feel so so feel free to, to to tell the story raw and uncut because um the listeners have heard a version of this story on the podcast already, so it oh, wasn't okay. the name to the face to the name, but they've heard a version of the story. So feel okay, okay. so uh, you know James is working in my office, and I actually fired him. I fired him because he did something he had no business doing. And so I fired him. So I told James that I would not tell the administrators of the work study program what happened. I wouldn't tell them what happened, but you know, he couldn't work in my office anymore. So I get home and James calls me up and he's like begging for this job back. And I'm like, nope, but you'll be okay. But next time, make sure that never happens again. And um, and so I stayed in touch with him though. I stayed in contact with him. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm not really, James, he told me to tell the story, but I don't know if I really want to tell the story because I don't know how much he already told. I mean, I is he there? Where is he at? I didn't give any real, like, explicit detail, but I did okay. allude to the fact that something was taken and um, I got fired. So I did say that much. Yeah. So um, I did, I fired him and um, I stayed in touch with him. And so, you know, we would kind of talk and then, you know, he had some other jobs and stuff. And I wanted him to know that there was consequence to actions, you know, and, you know, sometimes when there is no consequence, there is no incentive to discontinue uh, a, a rogue behavior or a behavior that's not productive. So I had to do it for not only that reason, but for what he did, I didn't want that to grow into other things and then potentially um, hurt my customers and hurt my reputation and my brand. So, um, because, so let me, let me use an example. Let me give you an example. You know, I'm, I'm a Christian and I believe in forgiveness and I believe in redemption. I believe in all of that stuff. But when you are a steward for someone else and for someone else's, let's say money or whatever the case may be, for someone else's things. So um, let me give you an example. Let's say for instance, um, you know, you hired me to house sit for you. And, you know, and you're gonna pay me good money to house sit for you while you're out of the country. So I say, okay, great, I'll house sit for you. And, all of a sudden, I got this friend of mine, and this friend of mine, he maybe steals something, right? And then I let him come into this house where I'm house-sitting, and he steals some stuff from these people. And then all of a sudden, they come back, and something very valuable is, is taken, and then... They say, what happened? And I say, oh, I let this person in. Oh, wow. You know, why'd you do it? Did you trust him? Um, yeah, I guess I did. Well, has he ever done anything like this before? Well, actually, yeah, he he did. He stole some stuff before. Well, if you knew he did that, why would you expose my stuff to him? Right? Why would you expose my stuff to him? And then what can I say? Because I knew that there's this history. So sometimes because you are steward of other people's things, 
you can't expose those other people, even though your heart might be saying, hey, give the person another try. I might be able to give you another try when it comes to my stuff, but I can't expose somebody else's stuff. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Okay. So, um, and I, I'm not saying that's what he did. I'm, I'm just giving an example, but I had to, I had to dismiss him, but we stayed in contact because um, I really thought he needs a little bit of help. To- I had a, I had a little like misunderstanding, like, me and my girlfriend were going at it like on the phone and I hit the glass and I broke the glass to the, to the, the cleaners. And yeah. the, the funny part is to this day, if you ride past that cleaners, the window is still busted out. <laughs> <laughs> and this, is, this is over 10 years ago. So, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, even when he was doing that, I'm just like, you know, he got to make some better choices, but we kind of stay connected and, um, and it's been it's been a it's been a ride because um, I was sharing with somebody just the other day, James, how you got the scholarship. So James, you know, gets this scholarship, and he's going to Valparaiso University, right? And so he don't know how he's going to go there, how he's going to get there. You know, his 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 grandfather was you know looking after him, but his grandfather wasn't driving all the way to you know Valparaiso and all that kind of stuff. So <clears throat> James is like. Uh, Mr. Walker, uh, what are you doing on this date? What are you doing on this date? What do you mean, what am I doing on this date? I'm just living my life on this date. Well, you know, I wrote this essay and so I'm going to get this, um, you know, scholarship, you know, and I'm supposed to be there, but I don't have a way to get there and I don't have a way to, you know, this, and I don't have a, so I'm like, oh, okay. I said, oh yeah, well, I'm taking you, that's what I'm doing. I'm taking you there. So we don't go to this thing so you can get your scholarship money and that's what we're going to do. So that's what I'm doing on that date. So on that date, I picked James up. You know, we got our suits on. And I came across a picture of that not too long ago. We got our suits and stuff on. We was looking good, Marcus. We was looking good. <clears throat> and so we go there, and um, we're sitting at the table, and James, <laughs> look at him, he's laughing. This is a great story. <laughs> this is a great story. So we go there, and, um, you know, we're sitting at the table before the um, little scholarship banquet dinner thing is starts. And I happened to mention to him, I said, so, you know, they're going to, you know, present you with this scholarship. I said, you know, they're going to be expecting you to say something, right? <clears throat> you know, they're going to want you to kind of give a, an acceptance speech or a thank you, you know, speech or something. And he said, what? No, I didn't know that. I, I don't, I don't know what I would say. I said, well, you better come up with something now because they're going to expect you to say something. I don't know what to say. So I said, okay, well, let's just practice it now while we're sitting here, you know? And so I kind of gave him some pointers about what he could say, you know, and things like that. And so he was like, okay. So he started kind of practicing at the table. And so he's practicing and I'm like, okay, well, yeah, instead of saying that, say this, you know, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. blah. And so we're practicing at the table. And so sure enough, I thought he kind of had, you know, a decent acceptance speech that he could give. And so Marcus, they, you know, start this dinner and they start giving the awards. And so they call the kids up that are going to get the awards and they call my JT. They call my little JT up on the stage and he was looking good. So he goes up on the stage and they talk about his essay that he wrote because the essay was really like his story. 
And James has a powerful life story. He should really write a book. <clears throat> he has a powerful life story. So they, they, they were so moved by his story <clears throat> that actually, I think the presenter or somebody that was there was a black McDonald's owner operator. And, and, and I think maybe if they were giving James like a thousand dollars or whatever they were given, he was going to match it and give him an additional like thousand, right? Because he was so moved by James' story. And so I told him, I said, make sure you connect with him. And so I know James, you know, kind of spoke with him. And then all the way home, I kind of gave James the business for putting his hand, his whole hand over his whole head um, and not just kind of standing up there and and, and thanking the people properly. Um, but that was just, that was just kind of one of our uh, moments. But, you know, we got him to school, we got him moved into his dorm and, you know, we got him all the supplies that he needed. I'm at Walmart spending all my money because he ain't had no toilet paper, no paper towel. He had no hangers, he didn't have no nothing. And so I told my wife, I said, I see what's gonna happen in about three more years when Donovan goes to college because I'm doing it now for this kid. <clears throat> and um, we got him all set up. And so that that's the story of me and James and we just kind of been connected uh, since then. And so he's one of my surrogate sons to me. So when people ask me about you know my kids, you know, I talk about my three natural kids, but then I say, but I got some other kids. And so I'm always talking about you know my surrogate kids, and um and 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 they're really cool. They are really cool. But you know that because you work with him and you do this podcast with him all the time. So first off, man, uh, appreciate you sharing that story. And uh, I gotta give a shout out to the late great Miss Smith because uh, if it wasn't for her, there would be no James and Win. But uh, Win was he's he's always been that type of person. And, and Marcus, you remember when we talked about the Les Brown quote? Um, you have to believe in someone else's belief in you. Um, he's always poured into me my entire life, even when I was, you know, doing m mischievous things or punching glass for no apparent reason. Like he's been pouring into me for over 10 years now. So I appreciate you. Um, and I definitely want to give you your flowers because you, you've definitely been uh, a father to, to me for sure. Um, but to my point about the the, the whole speech thing, right? Man, I the I don't know. I really don't know what happened. But to see us on a podcast and be able to to articulate ourselves the way that we are, I kind of give you give I want to give you kudos to that too, because like that was one of my like most not most embarrassing, but it was it was a pretty embarrassing moment because uh, I looked up to you a lot, and for you to be so disappointed, rightfully so, after coaching me up, I was like, yeah, we can't let this happen again. So. um Glad that I got to experience that with you. And then again, I want to thank you for the support that you've given me through my 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 journey and uh, even giving me a second chance because, you know, a lot of people wouldn't do that, but also teaching me the lesson through in that process. So appreciate you for that win. Oh, well, you know, I love you like crazy. And I want to say when James finished college, I hired him again. So, you know, I fired him, I hired him again and he got his licenses and all of that stuff. So that's it. Yeah, so when he didn't tell us this on the podcast, but he crazy because I wouldn't have hired me if I was. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, you nappy head, you, you got to figure it out somewhere else. I love you, though. But but before before we let you go, when I really want you to to talk to our listeners about the importance of life insurance. Um, I know you talked about, you know, various other life insurance, but in our community, for some reason, there is a disconnect 
with purchasing life insurance when it's needed. I mean, well, before it's needed, a lot of people will try to wait till their family's almost in the ground and then try to get it. So just kind of talk a little bit about to our listeners, the significance of it and, you know, yeah, just talk to them about the significance of the life insurance. When that happens, it's not an inexpensive proposition. It's a very expensive proposition because you have the emotional expense of this grief and loss because you're not going to be able to have the fellowship and the communication with the person that you lost anymore. And then there's this whole financial loss because if you talk about having some kind of service and then I know a burial and a headstone and all that kind of stuff, you know, the numbers over the years have just kind of crept up. But people thought, hey, our way out is doing cremations. And cremations got really popular a number of years ago because they were pretty cheap. They were pretty inexpensive, like $1,500, $2,000. Well, now even cremations are, you know, costing you like six grand, you know, and, and upwards. And so many families are emotionally devastated but then they become financially devastated because they have to handle all of these expenses. And it's easy to kind of understand in my mind that it's inevitable. None of us are gonna stay here for forever. And in today's world and climate, you know, you just kind of never know what's gonna happen. You know, with carjackings and shootings every day on the news, you know, somebody got shot, somebody got shot and killed and nobody plans for that. Nobody plans for that. So there's this emotional devastation, but then there's this financial devastation because nobody wants to take the time to set aside a few dollars so that when something eventually happens, then you have a financial resource that can at least take that part of the burden and that part of the expense away. It's not gonna manage the emotional expense of burden, but it can handle some of the financial expense. Our community, for some reason, we will spend 200 plus a month on cable TV and streaming services, Netflix, you know, all that kind of stuff, Showtime, HBO, and all that other kind of stuff, and a whole bunch of other things. But for some reason, we don't say, you know what, let me spend a little bit of money so if something happens like this, my family doesn't have to have this financial burden. That's why it's so important um, to have life insurance, and it can even be used as a resource for you even while you're living. So it's just a smart move to make, and I hope that I can encourage people to kind of change their mindset, to at least explore it, see what kinds are out there to kind of protect your family and make sure that your family is not shattered when maybe the breadwinner, you know, leaves unexpectedly prematurely and now there's no paycheck coming in and so now the kids shouldn't have to be put out the house the kids shouldn't have to if they were in private school they shouldn't have to now go to you know another school that's not at the same level um, if they had dreams of going to college because you know they knew that mom or dad was going to take care of it and now mom or dad is gone you know that that dream can't still happen you know life insurance has the ability to kind of still make those dreams happen because the resources are there. 
Definitely. And having a daughter myself, this has been a conversation we've been having about getting her some life insurance, uh, prepping for, for, for my spouse, right? Getting her situated and things of that nature. And definitely something we have to do a whole lot more. But um, I would ask, man, where can people find you? We're always about plugging in our guests as well. And you're good at what you do and you're relatable. So how can people find you, right? Well, what is their numbers, their email you want to give us, uh, our listeners, so they could tap in with you? Sure. Um, you can go to winfredwalker.com. That's where the win comes from. Winfredwalker.com. Uh, my email is win at winfredwalker.com. Uh, my office is 412 East 103rd Street in Chicago. Uh, I'm in Roseland where my parents have been for more than, man, for almost 60 years. Um, and uh, let's see, my phone number, my office phone number, 773-928-2170. 773-928-2170. Understand that monkey wrenches are going to come within the process, right? But again, that proper preparation is going to be what uh, allows you to to maneuver through those different obstacles. You always talked about fear, not even just fear from yourself, that inner gut feeling, but even that family, even those people around you being fearful and them projecting their fears upon you, but you pushing through and not letting it limit you. You also talked about that partner support. Oh, you talked about that partner support. I feel every bit of that, man. And even having some of those uncomfortable conversations, but also understanding that when that prize, when that reward comes in play, celebrate it with them because they were part of the process. Even if they didn't have their head down, grinded out with you, they played their role within the relationship. And that is beyond vital. Um, You also talked about just having those boots on the ground. Yo, Miss, Mr. Win is going to win. That's one thing I tell you and I learned from the day. I got my money on you. And again, that work ethic that those parents passed down and even though they may not have had the insight on the specific industry you're able to still apply that raw energy right and that raw desire to learn and grow and apply within this specific field and then last but not least we talked about boots on the ground but we want to talk about life insurance before somebody's in the ground right again that goes back to that proper preparation making sure that we're equipped but also just challenge ourselves to get knowledgeable in an area which is going to help us. I know there's a lot of perks out there. And again, if y'all want some more insight, this is the guy to talk to. I can definitely advocate a super down to earth, super dope, and somebody who's going to give you some raw genuineness in what you need, man. But again, I can't thank you enough, Mr. Wynn. On behalf of Let's Grow Together, we appreciate your time. And again, family, y'all continue to tap in with us. We're going to continue to have some positive, dope guests like Mr. Wynn. And again, at the end of the day, you know what we're all about, man. Let's continue to grow together we appreciate y'all as always family y'all be blessed and have a great week